and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, we're discussing the disappointing Champions League defeat at the hands of AC Milan. But before we get started, let me remind you that you can read in-depth articles from myself and Jonathan Johnson from CBS Sports over on Substack for free. Just search PSG Talk Extra Time, and uh, you'll find our page, and just go ahead and subscribe. And of course, visit PSGTalk.com for all your PSG news. All right, here to help me break down PSG's 2-1 defeat to AC Milan, we have Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise, who is having all kinds of technical difficulties. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, that's why there's no uh, visual. But Ethan, thanks so much for coming on the show again. And uh, how are things on your end, other than your technical difficulties? Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, other than uh, (laughs) technical, I don't know, man. I'm not a tech savvy. I've told you before, I'm not a tech savvy person, uh, especially for being someone in their 20s. And uh, I don't know, I'm going to have to mess with my computer a little bit. But other than that, doing well. Um, yeah, well, other than the match today, the match yeah. wasn't too fun to watch. And uh, you know, I, I use the word disappointing and, and maybe a little frustrating, but like the sky isn't falling, people. It's like, it's okay. It's one game. We didn't play that bad. We're going to get into all of that. Um, so yeah. let's, just, let's just start. I want to um begin with the drama leading up to uh kickoff because you had a psg supporter reportedly being stabbed in the leg i think he's going to be okay as, as okay as one can be after getting stabbed in the leg uh but it was an alleged attack by ac milan supporters and then we had the dollar rumors which was my favorite storyline of the match um i, I mean i can understand the, the frustration but i, I want to stick on the dollar rumors for a second because it 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 led into a bigger issue uh, during the actual match like if you want to print those up you know paper isn't going to really hurt anyone however those dollar rumors were being tossed in donnarumma's uh, direction do you think that the officials should have done something to curb this to stop it we've seen when psg go down to marseille they'll kind of hold it up as hold up play as bottles are being thrown and kind of get security to, to get that uh, situation under control. But, you know, goalkeeping at this level in the Champions League, it requires the ultimate concentration. And here you have thousands of fans throwing garbage, essentially, at Donnarumma, who has his back to the supporters group. So he can't really see what's coming at him. But in his peripheral, he has money he has no idea what's coming his way and that has to take some of his concentration away which then in turn impacts the actual play on the pitch and so do you think that the official missed an opportunity do you think that they should have stepped in and had security get that situation under control because you had one goalkeeper in in the game being distracted essentially and and me personally you know we're here in the united states you throw anything at a sporting event on the field, you're out. And you might get suspended for the rest of the season, depending what it might be. You could have legal issues. You can't throw things on, on a field of play. So what are your what are your basic thoughts just on that whole situation? Yeah, of course, the, the culture is a little different there, but that doesn't necessarily mean just because it's uh, the norm that it's a, a good thing. Uh, they were, I think it's totally fine if they wanted to play with their Dollarumas in, in the stand. That's fine. They can have fun with the... Uh, Dollarumas and trade them for shroot bucks, wherever the hell they want to do them. They can do whatever they want with those. Except you're right. They they it shouldn't be on the pitch. At at a certain point, there are sixty of those, or maybe a hundred or of of those fake dollar bills that they've got on on the pitch down there near him. 
um, on instant replays or when there were corners and, and we were there was a stop and play, I tried to look and see what sort of uh, what other trash there might be on the pitch. I personally didn't see any, but think about it, right? You're Donnarumma. You're in goal. I think it was Teo Hernandez lining up for a free kick. It was just outside the box. And so Donnarumma is standing there with his back to all of these people who are just have, they are seeing red. They, they hate him. And he knows that they're throwing things, but he doesn't know if, Hey, does someone have a battery? Do they have a coin? All he sees is out of his peripheral on the side is trash coming at him. And I just have to imagine that is going to be distracting to a goalkeeper who is trying to, at this level, make a, a, a crucial save. And I just don't know why you, as a referee, would allow a team to have that sort of advantage. It's not why PSG lost. I just think the official could have been better on the night and probably should have held up play and had that situation under control. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, As soon as those things, there starts being a, a bunch of them on the pitch, he should have realized right then. Um, especially, I'm sure that, that a f- bunch of fans uh, threw it right after that that first goal. Um, gosh, was it Leao that scored that bicycle kick, the overhead kick? Um, yes, was, it was. was yeah, it? we're going to talk about that goal. Yeah. yeah, right after Leao scored in the 12th minute and all that money comes down, they definitely should have stopped uh, play and, first off, removed all that from the pitch. And second, it would have been nice if the ref had given some sort of warning such a, I, I don't even know what he can do, uh, you know, legally from from being the the ref's perspective. But if he's got any sort of authority to issue a warning to the fans, then I guess do it. The thing is, it's not like you can give a yellow card to the coach or or players for for them throwing the money on the field. You can't give the fans a yellow. It doesn't mean anything. They're not professional footballers. So I don't know what he could have done there. But uh, if he had any sort of legal authority to try and put a stop to that, then I agree. He he probably should have. Uh, again, like you said, yeah. not the not the biggest deal ever, but let's keep the pitch clean. Let's keep stuff mm-hmm. off of it. Um, it's all about fine margins. And, and I'm just referencing when PSG go to Marseille, we know trash is going to get thrown at the players. I've seen Neymar go for a corner, and he just kind of holds his hands up and be like, I can't take a corner kick. They're throwing glass bottles at me. Can we, yeah. can you do something? And then you see the guys in the orange rush over and yeah. try to like, and they have the riot shields and they're blocking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't think you need riot shields for dollar rumas, but, um, something. Uh, and, and of course you're at the San Siro, so they're not really inclined to do anything that would, you know, Get, you know, level the playing field. They want every advantage they can get. But I want to stick with the officiating for a moment, um, as I have a little sour grapes here, if you can't tell. It took a little over an hour of gameplay for Milan to to earn their first foul, and it was given as a yellow card. And that was because it was Yunus Musa of the U.S. men's national team. He was literally grabbing Warren Zaire Emery around the waist, and the ref had, I mean, even that, this this referee had to call that as a foul. And I think that was in the 66th minute. At this level, with AC Milan fighting for their Champions League lives at, th- at this stage, I mean, this was a back-and-forth game. No fouls, where I think at that point PSG had been called for probably, you know, eight or nine. 
several yellow cards as well. That that's a little suspect to me. You telling me that it, they didn't foul anybody for an hour? That's pretty impressive. When in the first match, I'll have to pull up the stats because I, I tweeted this out. But Milan, they they had I think um, they had several. So it was I, I tweeted out so nine fouls and three yellow cards for PSG, zero for Milan so far. Um, in the first match at the park, Milan committed eleven fouls and had four yellow cards. PSG had 17 and two yellow cards. So these are two teams that get after it. Very feisty. What do you make of that? No foul calls. Yeah, I don't think anything is is rigged or anything. I'm not going to say that. I will just say that that ref seemed to be completely out of his depth. Um, Whoever the ref in the first game was, I mean, the fact that we can't remember anything about the officiating in the first game tells me that he must have done an okay job. You know, that's kind of... the motto Called it even, yeah. But some both the teams are yeah. fouling, yeah. And that's some of the that's kind of the mindset that refs are looking to have. They're looking to be like, yeah, we don't want to be remembered because we're looking to wrap a pretty clean game, or or at least if they're going to miss calls or or call the game a certain way, then they're going to call it go across both sides to both teams. Um, but the Spanish referee today, uh, yeah, he put up a stinker. I had a I had a tweet a little bit after a couple minutes after. Uh, the Giroux scored and they went up 2-1. I said, this guy is putting on a fine audition for future semi-pro uh, like Austri- or, uh, Oceana match. The Oceanic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, well, you are putting up a stinker. This We could make uh, uh, ref lowlights of that guy from that game. It was uh, very inconsistent. Um, at times, he, I mean... Man, as the game got uh, went along too, after he finally called a foul in Milan, which I promise you they had a couple fouls in the first half, but uh, went uncalled. And then once he started calling fouls for Milan, uh, he called poor fouls against them as well. So he he messed up both ways. Um, he must have saw my tweet. Was like, oh, I got to call some fouls. Milan ultimately finished with a total of five fouls committed and uh, just just the one yellow card. Whereas PSG had 13 fouls committed and um, yellow cards were picked up by Colomwani, Ugarte, Skriniar, Vitinha, Lucas Hernandez. Basically, nearly the uh, entire starting 11 had a yellow card. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, the ref did a really terrible job. He, he didn't let the game be physical at all. Because uh, I feel like with a game like that, what you got to do, you know that, like you said, AC Milan's fighting for their Champions League lives. And it's an intense atmosphere where. They all hate the goalkeeper, and they're ready to, like you said, a lot of the, the, the fans are seeing red. So with a game like that, you either got to embrace the, the, the heat of the match and let it be very physical, or you got to nip it in the bud early, and you got to call everything. And this guy did neither. I feel like he was sitting in no man's land with his officiating. And ultimately, yeah, it, it kind of screwed up the game. It, it messed the flow of it up. Uh, I feel like the it just overall kind of put uh, a dampener on it. So, yeah, he, yeah. he did not have a fine game. Not a fine game at all. And, again, I want to emphasize this is not the reason PSG lost. We're not oh. crying about excuses. These are just things that – these are just facts, the things that just happened, and we I want to discuss them. I will give yeah. credit 
outside of the the dollar rumors and all that and throwing things i thought the atmosphere was electric that's exactly what you want on a champions league night i don't know if it topped uh what we saw at newcastle but electric atmosphere and i love the uh the tifo that they had of neo with stopping the bullets and, yeah. uh, after yeah. psg had their tifo so i like that going back and forth yeah. so credit to milan supporters uh, outside of the throwing things and the stabbing you guys were pretty fantastic on the night yeah i've always liked ac milan as uh i, I guess um i don't support or any or even follow any club in italy but i guess if i had to bandwagon and, and jump on a italian club to follow uh, it would be them, uh, George Weah, PSG legend and AC Milan legend. Uh, he won the Ballon d'Or with, uh, technically with Milan, but he earned it at PSG in the 1995 season. Uh, we've had Zlatan play there. We've had Ronaldinho play there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're a great club, and the San Siro is an awesome stadium. I hope, to, I hope to go before it gets demolished, if it's getting demolished. I don't actually know. I feel like I hear a lot of different updates about that, but... Uh, yeah, their fans were cool. Yeah, I did think the TIFO was neat. But um, yeah, in case anyone that's not a PSG fan listens to this, then yeah, uh, just like what you said, Ed, uh, the fouls, the, it's not why we lost. You know, it's not like yellow cards. Uh, it's not like we hit five yellow cards and they're gifted a goal. You know, it's not like they get in the bonus for basketball and they're getting free throws. So, um, but yeah, it could have been it could have been better. But yeah, certainly not why we lost. I do. We're going to get to Milan's second goal uh, that Giroud scored because I think there was something there that maybe could have gone in another direction. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, just to wrap up, sort of like what was going on in the pre-match. Uh, I, I just thought it was interesting. All the all the uh, celebrities in the stands. You had Noel Gallagher, who is a known Manchester City supporter. I thought that was a little strange that he was there. It looked like he was falling asleep. Marco Verratti was there, a former player. Great to see him there supporting PSG. You had David Beckham was there. Of course, Thierry Henry with uh, CBS Sports was there. So, uh, yeah, a lot of celebrities there in the stands. And, uh, yeah, it was a yeah. – overall, it was a good match. I thought Luis Enrique's starting lineup was – I didn't really have any complaints with it. I mean, just quickly, did you have any complaints about the starting lineup? Do you think someone was in there that shouldn't have been? Yeah, and I'll touch on this later. Um, oh, I actually forgot to mention uh, PSG legend uh, Paleta was also in the stands. The, por- the Portuguese legend, yeah, he he was there. Good shot. He was on uh, he was on the side of the pitch in pregame. I think talking to uh, Thierry Henry. I'm not sure though. I didn't watch that pregame uh, broadcast, but he was there. Um, as far as into the starting eleven now, to get back to your question, uh, I wanted to see Gonzalo Ramos start. And I think that became pretty clear as the match went on that he probably should have started. Um, his, uh, of course, we'll touch more on on the match later. But just to briefly state what I I thought he would have done better than Komuani is I think we needed a true nine. AC Milan quite literally never looked threatened. Uh, you know, uh, they 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 were never threatened by our. Uh, you know, crossing uh, chances uh, or basically our inability to cross is what really was, was happening. Uh, they didn't seem afraid of any aerial threats. I mean, Cole Mwani is not, um, he's not short. I mean, he's actually the same height as Gonzalo Ramos, but he's just not known as an aerial threat. Um, he actually, his yellow card that he got was because he was going up for a header and I think he elbowed, I forget who it was. Maybe it was... Um... Maybe Calabria. Uh, Tamari, I think he I can't had found oh, yeah, was it? Okay. Yeah, so he you know, he went up for an aerial duel and, and picked up an early yellow. So 
yeah, he he was not very effective uh, in the air. I, th- I mean, there's a bigger discussion, but it's coming out how influential Mbappe was in recruiting some of these players, uh, Nambele, for example. I don't know if he really probably pushed that hard for Gonzalo Ramos. Did probably didn't know too much about him. Is this a situation where Mbappe is saying, "I want to play with my French national team teammates," and that's just the way it's going to be this season? That's a good question, and I hope you're wrong, uh, or I hope that's not the case. Um, because, I mean, I know some people are a big; they want the front three. They like when the front three is is the free, three French guys. But uh, I just personally think Gonzalo Ramos needs to be starting way more often. But at the same time, you almost think well, we're not going to utilize him well because no one on this team can cross outside of maybe Kangin Lee or Bradley uh, Barcola. Hernandez on a good day. Yeah, Hernandez every once in a while. Um, But, you know, Dembele is not good at it. Hakimi, not that good at it. Um, None of the midfielders really. I mean, uh, Warren Zaire Emery can can drop in a pretty nice – through ball like lofted through ball but it's it's certainly- he had a beautiful pass i think yeah. it was to colomwani who then picked out mbappe on the wing for that breakaway goal which 10 out of 10 times mbappe finishes and on, yeah on tonight he just yeah. didn't it was crazy yeah War- goal. War- warren's good at that but you know it's, it's not crossing so um yeah there's just a i feel like we haven't had a good aerial presence as a team uh, since Cavani left, essentially, and Di Maria was our last player who was actually real good at crossing. And we, we talked about that. I think it was on the last show or some recent show. Where like, do they even practice? You know, taking corners. No, uh, there's no and, way because there's no aerial threat, which is funny because it was actually Skriniar scoring a header off of a cross uh, that got PSG into the lead early. Oh, but yeah. anyway, yeah, finish, finish yeah. your thought. We'll move on. Oh yeah, I mean. Well, I'll, I'll touch on what you just said about the, the Skriniar goal is uh, those two guys, uh, Skriniar and Marquinhos, when, when we have that sort of lineup out, those are literally the only two players that are a threat in, in the air at all, um, every, which makes it tough when, uh, you know, whoever's taking the corner, oftentimes Vitinha or Kangin Lee, when they're taking these corners – and they only have one or two guys to aim for, opposed to, you know, three or four who might be able to get their head on that. That just makes scoring off of corners so much harder. And we've already seen it constantly frustrates me how our team will press and will press and will press. And we'll get the team to hoof it upfield. And I'm thinking, sweet. We got them to clear it. This is exactly what you want to do while pressing. You want them to you want the opponent to to launch the ball uh, away from their goal out of fear. The thing is, though, we're so poor in the air. Teams, I feel like teams win those those headers in the midfield. They win those aerial, you know, duels just so often against us. And it happened so, uh, countless times today. Drove me crazy, and it just kickstarted a bunch of AC Milan counterattacks. So I feel yeah. like this high pressing system that we've got. I feel like it, it it'll it'll only work so well if we can't actually win the freaking ball. Once, once we've forced the other team to clearing it. So, um, yeah, that's just one thing that bugs me. But uh, I guess I touched on uh, aerial ability and crossing probably too long, but that's one of my main takeaways from this match that, that bugged me pretty bad. Uh, so I wish, I wish Ramos had started. Yeah, Ramos would be, would be good. He came in on the 60th minute. I don't mean a pretty forgettable appearance from him, but at that point yeah. it was sort of, you know, 
AC Milan packed it in. We've seen this season PSG struggle to break down a team sitting in a low block. Yeah. Um, we talked about Skriniar scoring that goal. Man, I, I can tell you, Lenny Yoro over at uh, Lille, uh, I think is his club, he'd be a great addition. I just looked it up. Six foot three, great center back, bring some more height into the squad. He's a player. Uh, just signed with, oh, what's the uh, agent's name? Uh, Jorge Mendes. Yeah, who has great connections with PSG. So, you know, maybe in January it'd be a great signing, uh, summer if we have to. But, yeah, he, he's the center back I think PSG need. He's one of the best young uh, center backs in, in all of Europe. So he would be great signing to bring in. Um, as far as the attack, I kind of hinted at it. I, I wonder if Mbappe is wanting his, you know, French teammates up there. And that's just the way it is if he's kind of dictating that behind the scenes. I don't know. I do think Colomwani and Debele. I mean, we're still in early November. The calendar just flipped in November. They they don't have that many matches under their belt at PSG in the system under Luis Enrique. As frustrating as this game was and as frustrating as Dembele not scoring and missing his chances, I still think let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. The performances haven't been that bad. Maybe they're not scoring the goals as, as you know at a rate that we would all like. But I think this is a good mix. Let's just give them a little bit more time. I think really what it comes down to is in the midfield, they're not getting a lot of that service. They're not getting that creativity um, that uh, that they need probably, that they probably get with the French national team. So hopefully, um, I don't know. I think I think the for the match against Newcastle, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit, preview that at the end of the month, I think Kagan Lee's got to come in. You saw when he came into the game, so electric, so fast on the ball. He had, I think it was Giroud, spitting in circles as he was able to get a shot off in the box that just hit the post. But he is just such a fabulous player. I think he is a guy that maybe you bring him in and uh, put Bettini on the bench. Any thoughts on King and Lee's uh, appearance there in the 60th minute? Yeah, I think there's, I don't know if this is, you know, cut and dry or... Uh, on you know if this is the scenario then play King and Lee if not play Vitinha but uh, I I really like Vitinha as a player uh, I know that a lot of people criticize him for not, not being creative enough uh, it's a bit tough when he is moved onto the wing as often as he is uh, when we're in attack and then of course when we're in defense he he gets a little more central um, you know which uh, but. I get that, you know, yes, he has struggled to be a bit creative at times. I think that 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 is something that can be learned, and that's something that comes with chemistry. I know people might say, well, he's been with the club for over a year. Um, yeah, but, you know, give him time. It's He's had to go through two different managers now. It's it's, it's not a flawless, you know, transition and a, uh, or a seamless transition is what I'm looking for. And, and he was the man of the match, if I'm not mistaken, against Dortmund on match day one. No, and so he was, exactly. We've seen, we've seen in matches like that that, it, he's he's had moments of bril, uh, brilliance in, in games where he's been phenomenal, uh, but it did seem pretty early on that this just wasn't the sort of match for him. Especially, I feel like King and Lee can do a bit better against the low block, uh, which maybe he's used to it because La Liga. You know, he's played at Mallorca for a while. Uh, La Liga is uh, another league that has heavy low block. Uh, teams just like Liga in in that manner I'd say La Liga's not as physical they're much stronger technically than Liga but uh, as far as experiencing low blocks um, La Liga and Liga teams are pretty dang the good ones are, are very used to it and I feel like he just you're right he just offers something a little different 
he can often he's often on the right wing or the right half of the the pitch a little bit more whereas Fatinha seems to hover to the left uh, this year and you're right his his dribbling he's not the fastest Fatinha's probably a faster sprinter but uh, King and Lee's ball control and his 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 like close range dribbling when he's he's you know very close to defenders is probably unmatched on the team. I mean, it's it's no reason that a lot of guys, a lot of people suspected that. Yep, this is the this is our future Neymar replacement, who's a little bit more of a traditional midfielder potentially, or or more of a winger, not as just a straight ten. But that's kind of what a lot of people thought he was signed to be. And at times he can do that. So I would love to see I, – I love Vitinha, but I would love to see Kang and Lee become uh, a true Neymar replacement who could maybe be better in defense uh, than Neymar just because, I mean, Neymar was truly uh, a pure attacking threat, whereas Kang and Lee, he can be not a box-to-box midfielder, but maybe something sort of close to that. We're a little more defensive-minded. But um, yeah, yeah, he did really well. Uh, I thought for sure – he was going to score that chance near the end of the game that that hit the post. He shot it near post after dribbling through some guys. If he had scored that, man, we'd have been we'd be in such a better spot right now. But just didn't go. And it was away. a clear before it hit the post. Uh, it looked like uh, Bejan did get a, a finger on it, and I don't think it was given as a corner. So it's just another. Oh yeah. Example, yeah. Hmm. So. <laughs> oh gosh, I know there was one case where. Where uh, AC Milan should have had a corner and they they weren't given it, but not to say eye for an eye or something. I would always want right. the right call to be given, but I guess yeah, you're right. So the ref missed a corner call for each team. Put that into his uh, freaking picture book of yeah, look at the horrible day I had refereeing. So um, if I'm not know. mistaken, I'll have to go back and look. But um, yeah. if my memory serves me, and we're recording this uh, Tuesday evening. Uh, several hours after the game, and that was a, a little moment. So I'll have to go back and see. But I'm pretty sure they didn't award PSG a corner mm, for that one. Jeez, gosh, that ref man. We could do a whole podcast on on his <laughs> mistakes. I think probably. Golly. I also think uh, Barcola to me does a lot of what Dembele does. He's just a very exciting player. Um, when he has the ball, you like you know something. Is positive is going to happen. He's going to get forward. He's going to challenge a defender. He's just going to put the the defense on the back foot. And so, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of him. If the ballet is going to, if maybe he needs to take a seat and kind of collect what he's going and see the game from the sideline and and kind of regroup a little bit because maybe the pressure is getting to him. You see Barcelona fans getting on him in the media. Oh, he hasn't scored since leaving Barcelona, which how about their performance uh, today against Shakhtar Donetsk? But, um, you know, maybe Barcola needs to come in and because I think he does a lot of what Dembele does. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, no, I think that actually be a great idea. Uh, and especially we got to rotate the team. Uh, so I, I actually, I think we've got Reims this, this weekend on Saturday or Sunday. I actually can't remember. I was just so focused on the game today. I don't even know what day of the week we're playing this uh, or which weekend day we're playing in a couple days. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're at Reims, um, which maybe Ekatike can get a, get a start in that one against his old club. No, I'm joking. Um, definitely not starting him. But uh, no, I think I think that's a good idea. I think it'd be good to maybe rest a couple of players, give them a, a bit of a breather, be like, all right, we lost Milan, let's 
relax. We got an international break coming up, if I'm not mistaken. That's going to have players playing two, uh, essentially two weekday matches, or uh, they're essentially playing one extra match than what they'd normally be doing if it was just the normal uh, club schedule and run of things. So I think giving them a, a I, I want to see, especially if we know Reams are going to come out in a low block against us. I'm sure Enrique is doing the, his homework on this one. But if they're going to come out in a low block against us, I want to see Barcola. I want to see Lee. I want to see Gonzalo Ramos starting. I want to see a team where we're, we're going to try and actually have aerial superiority. And let's put our two best crossers in there. Uh, we've seen that Barcola missed on a couple today, but when he gets behind the defense and he pokes in a little floated cross, a lot of those are are not bad. And that's the kind of football, at least, that I love to see, uh, where we're getting behind the defense. I know teams are, you know, the last thing they want PSG, a speedy, pacey team to do is get behind them. But I think we need to make more efforts to do that. And yeah, I would love to see guys like that uh, get a start uh, this weekend. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and Reams, I think, are sitting in fourth in the table. So, yeah. And then PSG also have Monaco, who are in third. And then, of course, we've got Newcastle after the international break. Mm-hmm. So, it will be, it'll be crazy uh, yeah. this month of November. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we should even look into, we see a lot of people saying this. And the more that he doesn't rest, the more that I think, man, maybe maybe Mbappe does have a little too much influence over stuff. You know, maybe I don't think he's picking a starting lineup, but uh, I'm sure there's maybe something in Luis Enrique's mind thinking, yep, I, I got to play the the French guys here. But I would love to see Mbappe take uh, a seat for a little while. Um, not a little while, just like one game. Just give him yeah. a rest like one weekend. Because the man is playing like crazy. We can't, first off, we can't afford for him to get hurt. We've, not that he's been bad, it's just we have such high expectations for the guy. And I feel like he hasn't quite met those recently. By any, by anyone's, uh, any other player's standards, he's been very good. But yeah. I just think let's not overdo it. It's still, I mean, these two Champions League games we've got coming up, if we draw or, or lose both of these, then. The way that a lot of players are going to look at it is that the season's over. Yeah. Because we'll be out of the Champions League. And I know, you know, we've gone over in the past Laurent Blanc and other people saying once PSG are out of the Champions League, everyone just phones it in, basically. But, uh, and we'd hate for that. Might have Europa League. Say again? We might have Europa League. Oh, well, dude, I don't care about the Europa League. We we technically, (laughs) I know it was the Cup Winners' Cup in 1996, but it's. It's essentially the secondary uh, UEFA competition. We already won this back in 1996. We don't need another one. To me, the Europa League, being the Europa League, is quite literally pointless. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess go out and try and win the thing, but I'm, I'd be far more concerned with just making sure we win Liga at that point. Um, so it's it's Champions League or bust for this team. And I'm not saying that as in we got to win the Champions League this year, but these these next two games, I mean, we we got to get out of the group. We've never not got out of the group in the QSI era, and if we start now, as soon as we've let Messi and Neymar go, the media is going to have a field day with us. The players oh, are good. Yeah. The younger players, I'm most concerned about this. <laughs> the younger players are going to see all this on social media if we don't get out of the group, and their confidence, and it, like they could get rattled. So, 
I, I Bleacher don't... Report is already getting their illustrators coming up with all the memes oh, for oh, when PSG oh, get I, knocked out. I, pl- I promise you that uh, Bleacher <laughs> Report Football and ESPN FC, they, they are getting freaking ready. They want so badly for us to knock it out of the group. And I'm not saying we got to even make the, the semis or even the quarters. But let's just get out of the freaking group. Let, let's go into February thinking, yay, we still have Champions League games to pay to play. Even if we get runners up in the group and we draw freaking Man City, at least we're thinking, hey, we might get smacked here. But like, at least we're in it, you know? At least we're in the last 16. Like I said, we've never not made it out of the group in the QSI era. Let's not, let's really not start right now. Now would be a pretty poor time to start, uh, to break that streak, I think. Yeah, even, you know, it is a rebuilding um, season, I think, with all these new players coming yeah. in. We, we certainly want to get out of the group stage. And I let me I, I saved this question for last, but maybe we just ask it now and then we'll go back into the game for a second. Um, I think for me, if PC can beat Newcastle at home and, and remember Newcastle, they're not going to have Dan Burns, they're not going to have Tenali, and I think they maybe have one or two other injuries uh, of players that started against PSG. So they have to come to Paris. I feel very confident about that game. And people have said, don't, you know, you never know. Don't say that. Don't jinx us. But it's okay. I feel confident about that one. I'm not saying that PSG can still lose that one. But if they win that, they're on nine points. They should, that should be enough. Um, you know, now I think, uh, I think Dortmund have to defeat. If Dortmund can beat uh, Milan, then it's going to be very comfortable. If we beat Newcastle, then basically Dortmund and PSG can kick the ball for 90 minutes on match day uh, six, and, and both of them would advance. So a win isn't a sure thing against Newcastle, but it certainly will go a long way and kind of take the pressure off as PSG have to go to Dortmund uh, on the final match day. But I want to ask you, what is your level of concern right now? Say one to 10, one being not concerned at all, and 10 being, oh my goodness, this is. This is terrible. PSG are going to advance. What is your level of concern right now? Is, are you at level 10? No, I'm at level four uh, because I'm, mm. I'm with you and I, I made a tweet about it. I think it's funny how we are expecting – we're all expecting – we just played a Champions League game and we just played it so poorly. We just played awful at the San Siro for 90 minutes earlier today. Yet we're all thinking, ah, oh, no, we'll, we'll win it and we'll, we'll beat Newcastle because we're at home. And we, we, we always do really well at home in the Champions League. The only time in recent memory I can think of a true uh, collapse or a, a truly awful game at home in the Champions League was in the knockout stages, my least favorite PSG game of all time, where Manchester United beat us with a freaking youth academy team in uh, yeah. 2018. That awful yeah. one. Yeah. Where uh, Rashford made the Thanks, Tuchel. Game. Yeah, that, that's, that's the only really awful uh, home Champions League match that we've had at the park. Of course, we've we've lost some. You know, we lost the home leg to Bayern last year. I was there in the stadium for that, but it was a one nil loss. We were hopeful. We had our goal ruled out. It's like we don't lose at home or we don't play bad at home very often in the Champions League. So yeah, I would expect to win that. We'll probably win it. The weird thing though that I'm thinking is I'm trying to do the math here. If if we win. And then if Milan win, then it's going to be real weird at, at for match day, match mm-hmm. day six. Where Only a point are separating the top or all the teams. So Dortmund uh-huh. top of the table in seven, PSG with six, six Milan with five, five points, Newcastle four. with four. Yeah, it's very weird. If I mean, if Milan, yeah, you're right though. If because Newcastle are, are bottom, yeah. If if Dortmund win and we win our next matches. Then yeah, we're just looking to 
we'd have to get a win away from home to top the group. Uh, but if we don't, if we lose or draw, then we're second. But we're still through, essentially. Uh, I think it might even be locked up. Let me think. Yeah. Yeah, if us and Dortmund win, uh, then then we're through. We're just going to be fighting for first place on the last match day. But um, you're right. If if Milan win or or if they draw and then and then we win, it's just it could be weird at the at the very end there. So I'm not too concerned. If we don't beat Newcastle, though, then yeah, I will. Uh, I I don't like to say panic mode, but I'll I'll be in panic mode because we'll be needing a win. Yeah, I'm. I'm not maybe probably a four. I think I'm at a three because, like you said, we just rarely lose it at home. Knock on wood. So I think if we can get to nine points, I'm feeling pretty good that we can squeak out a draw if if need be at Dortmund and in advance. I think I'm feeling pretty good about that one. But this is the group of death for a reason. It was always going to be close. We all knew this. It's, it's just going to be difficult. You've got to go to arguably some of the most difficult away stadiums in all of, of Europe, European football. So it is to be expected. Uh, let's get back into uh, the game here. I'm trying to find my notes here. Where did we leave off? I want to talk about the goal that Olivier Giroud scored. Um, he scored the second for Milan, puts them in the lead shortly after halftime, I think around the 50th minute. Got a couple issues with this one. Um, first, you had uh, Leal. He misses an initial cross uh, into the box. He appears to kick or foul Hakimi, and I think both players kind of go down. They kind of collided. That looked like a foul because he didn't get the ball at all, and he sort of took out Hakimi. So I think, boom, that should have stopped the play. And, of course, if I thought that, the PSG players witnessing this thought the same thing. So they all sort of like stop and like they're looking around and that is a mistake. If you don't hear the whistle, you keep playing. But I understand why they did because that looked to be what we all would think was a, a pretty clear foul. Um, but then it was Teo Hernandez. He then whips it across while PSG are asleep on defense. And Giroud appears to climb up the back of Skriniar and scores a header, his uh, signature goal. So... Two fouls uh, that I've seen called countless times against PSG, or if I'm just watching whatever Premier League match, you see these fouls called all the time. Referee swallows his whistle. The goal stands. I don't even think it went to VAR review, if I'm not mistaken. So what are your thoughts on that goal in particular? Yeah, um, I'll touch on the first part. Uh, Yeah, when Hakimi went down, because Hakimi had kind of knocked it out almost – Almost out to the the very corner, uh, but it went out to the the edge of the pitch. And then whoever that was uh, for Milan, probably Teo Hernandez, scooped it up, and then he, he whipped that cross back in. Um, yeah, I think it was pretty clear once Teo Hernandez won the ball, because I guess as a ref, you're not really going to be thinking that, oh, PSG will play the advantage from here. But um, but it, it was it was a pretty clear foul uh didn't get the ball the defender clears it but he gets taken out as he's clearing it it's not a harsh call it's not a it's not like a you know clearing away oh that was that was vicious uh you're you're never going to give a card for that but it's it's a routine foul so give the foul as soon as you know that psg the team that won the ball there and cleared it and then was then fouled blow the whistle as soon as you see that psg have not retained possession um, so yeah, another mistake that we can put in that ref's brilliant highlight reel for today. 
Uh, personally, as far as Giroud climbing up Skriniar's back, I feel like it's not 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 that it's allowed because he does it so often, or because he's so good at it, or because other players do it. I just think for the most part, uh, Skriniar could have done better to get in the air. I feel, and I, I'm with you. If he if he jumps, he's in the air. I think the foul is a little bit more obvious, and maybe it gets reviewed at at the very least. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I just think Skriniar didn't even put enough effort into it. Um, I personally don't really have a problem with it. I mean, the game should have been played in a physical manner, in my opinion. So that part, I personally don't have an issue with. But the fact is it never should have even got there because I feel like it was just a pretty pretty clear routine foul uh, by Leao in the buildup. And, and the fact that the ref didn't call it, I think, is just kind of showed how maybe out of his depth he was. I'm going to go look up who that was later. I want to see what other yeah. re- uh, matches he's ref recently because <laughs> I wonder if he's put up other stinkers. And and uh, you you look at that first uh, match for PSG in AC Milan at the park, where I thought it was called pretty pretty evenly. Both sides were picking up yellows. Both were getting foul calls, and and we we see the result of that one three nil to PSG. So it just goes to show you when the game is called a little bit more evenly, when the fouls are spread out a little bit more evenly, you know PSG stand a fighting chance against a, a team Milan very talented, but. I think you'd have to say PSG have a little bit more talent, especially with yeah. Mbappe. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, yeah. I, so I, I can, I can. Sorry to interrupt you. I can vaguely okay. remember. I can't remember what the foul was or or what the alleged foul was, but I do remember some AC Milan fans were a little upset about one call in in the first game. I can't remember what it was. It was probably around the fiftieth minute when things got crazy. You know, they almost scored. We had our goal disallowed. I can't remember, but I know there was one issue that they had with it. But, um, I mean, if we look at it, that that game was trending PSG win all the way. So it's not like I would call it a decisive foul, uh, whatever it was. But And unfortunately, PSG are all too often um, on the short side of those calls. They're, it seems like they just are the receiving end of a lot of calls that go against them. And it, it's just unfortunate. It, it really... It's hard to overcome, but like at this point, PSG should be used to it. When Hikimi goes down, don't stop playing. Luis Enrique should drill that into their head. Until you hear that whistle, keep playing. That's 100% on PSG, whether the foul call or not. All you can control is keeping your head up and playing on until you hear that whistle. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, it, and it's happened before. I think it happened earlier this season. They kind of fall asleep. They think they're getting a foul call. I would say, don't raise your hand for offside. Don't look around if you think there's a foul call. Keep playing. If you don't keep playing, you're going to be sitting next to me. You know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> keep playing. Like, enough of this. Yeah. You're, you're not yeah. an official. Expect the worst. You're not going to get the call. You're just not. Keep playing. Yeah, that's a good point. Expecting the worst. Uh, that's a good way to look at it. If, if you see a foul, uh, if it's not going to affect your play in mm-hmm. that moment, then yeah, like yell or, or raise your hand. But don't take your eye off the ball or the defender. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. You're right. We we should be playing as if as if fouls don't exist at all in the game because yeah. you see these teams. Yeah. I mean, think of that really gritty Real Madrid tra- uh, team that won it a couple years ago and they beat us on the way to it. That was kind of their mentality. I mean, like no matter what happened, they just kept going. They <laughs> they would not let up. Were they the most talented team? No. Were they the the youngest team or the most athletic team? No, they had a bunch of old guys. Of course, Modric and Cruz. I mean, and, and Casemiro mm-hmm. at the time; those guys are amazing. But 
you would not say that, oh, yeah, this is prime Real Madrid here, because it wasn't. <laughs> but the the mentality that they were like, yeah, we don't care. I mean, they, they, tr- they were truly an embodiment of playing to the whistle. And I think if, based on our history with UEFA and getting these tough draws year after year, getting these group of deaths every once in a while, um, yeah, we need, you're right. We need to play like that. We need to play as if... Uh, I wish the players had this mentality of, and I'm sure Luis Enrique is kind of drilling it into him a little, bo- a little bit. But we got to have this mentality of, yeah, the world's against us. They want to see us fail. They'll do. Yes. They'll. We are going to have to work harder than any other team in order to win this freaking competition. Like from a mentality standpoint, yeah. PSG should come out of the tunnel. You're down one nil. They've already yeah. scored. Yeah. That that is what their mentality has point. to be. That's a good point. Because you just have to assume there's going to be a call that goes against you and it's going to lead to a penalty or what we saw with the Drew goal. You have to go into these games. Every Champions League game, I don't care who it is, you're 1-0 down. You're 1-0 down starting from now. When that whistle goes, if you don't score two goals, you're going to lose. So, like, you, you've you got to go. That should be the mentality for PSG. So, Luis Enrique, uh, hopefully you can take that <laughs> piece of advice. We've talked a lot about the officials, and I, I do want to give AC Milan a little bit of credit because they had some really good performances. Oh, yeah. Talked about Loftus-Cheek, brilliant, just incredible in the midfield. Um, Giroud with the goal. I don't, at his age, as long as he's been playing, incredible for him to still be able to get up that high. Oh, yeah. You know, Skriniar is not a small guy. Um, I thought Teo Hernandez had a pretty decent game, but really the star for Milan is Rafael Leao. Mm-hmm. I mean, he his pace on the ball is unbelievable. We had no answer for him. I think he's probably every bit as quick as uh, Mbappe with the ball, like straight ahead speed. Yeah. Just, we had no answer for him. And he scored in a brilliant bicycle um, as our defenders. First, Marquinhos is kind of shielding Donnarumma so he can't see to make the save. (laughs) And Skriniar is just kind of standing, like admiring, maybe getting a selfie as this uh, Rafael is taking a, a bicycle and scoring. So, I think those were the players for Milan that really stepped up and uh, they needed a win and they got it. And unfortunately, uh, two Americans, we have to, to shout uh, Christian Pulisic went down late in the game. Oh. Hopefully it's not anything serious, a hamstring or anything. Uh, I think uh, the manager from Milan said it was maybe just a cramp. So hopefully okay. he's okay. But I hope so. And yeah. any, any comment on just Milan set up and anything you saw from them? Yeah, uh, the change. I think maybe it was because of suspension, but Pierre, um, Pierre Kalulu played as their right wing back essentially in the first match at the park. And if I'm remembering right, and Mbappe absolutely cooked him alive. Um, and so it didn't surprise me that, like I said, maybe he was just suspended. Uh, if he was, then they, they lucked into the suspension, forcing them to play someone better. Uh, their, their captain, uh, Calabria, I think his first name is David, if I can't remember, but, uh, Calabria who, who played right back for them today, I feel played very well as as captain. He was he was very good at communicating with the guys. Obviously, he was on the same side as Mbappe for most of the match. Uh, I feel like defensively he was very good. Whenever whenever Mbappe or Vitinha were out on that left wing, I mean they had moments at times, but uh, he certainly didn't get cooked as bad as Pierre Kalulu did a couple weeks prior. So he was one guy that I noticed that I think played super good for them. 
Very good shout. And then uh, when Pulisic did go off, we saw our old friend Alessandro Florenzi, who is on loan at PSG a few seasons back. He came on. We mentioned Yunus Musso, who picked up the only yellow card. Uh, he's a U.S. men's national player. Thought he had a decent game. Just overall, AC Milan, I thought, came in with the right mentality. They were they were physical. The, the referee was, you know allowed that sort of physicality from them they they did everything they needed to this was a massive match if they lose this even if they draw they're probably looking at best maybe a europa league uh appearance now they're very much in the thick of it it's going to be a battle they've got a difficult match on november 28th against dortmund they'll host dortmund who seem to be coming into form they had a big win over newcastle today so it's it's all coming down to it, Ethan. It, it's going to be very entertaining. We'll have to see how this one plays out. We talked about our confidence level. You were at a four. I'm probably like a three or four. Uh, we we still feel confident PSG will advance, but can't slip up anymore. Can't slip up anymore. Um, let's see. I've got one question outside of this match, but I do want to get any final thoughts, anything we didn't talk about in this match that you wanted to cover? Mm, no, I don't think I can. I don't think I got anything off the top of my noggin. No worries. Yeah, we it was a lot going on um, in this match. Again, frustrating. PSG fall 2-1. They are two wins, two losses in the Champions League. So we'll have to see how things play out. Two more matches. PSG, Newcastle, Dortmund. You win both, you move on. Uh, they control their own destiny. Let's switch gears a little bit. Um, last question for you. There was, a, there was a, a curious statement that came out last Sunday. I think you know what I'm talking about. Real Madrid released an official statement on their website, social media, and apparently uh, it said something about, we are not in negotiation with Kylian Mbappe. Despite all the rumors and reports, we are not negotiating with the player. He belongs to PSG. Yada, yada. That's essentially what, uh, what it said. This was after the match um, that PSG won against Montpellier. I wrote a piece on Substack talking about what I think, but I want to get your thoughts. Why do you think at this moment Real Madrid come out with this statement? Uh, they want to get things up and going nice and early. They, they're hoping – they're probably hoping by January when they're actually legally allowed to talk to him that that they're fairly far along. I mean they've talked to him before. He has uh, been – you know. It, inches away from accepting a contract with them before so it's not like the terms that they're going over are going to be too foreign to him um but i think uh, you know i'm not quite sure i i don't have a super strong opinion about any of this but i'm not sure if if i've decided that i think they're looking to get the rumor mill started early or if they're truly trying to cover their butt because Maybe some journalist has some dirt on them that they they were responding or you know contacting Killian, but I will say, if if they're in the protecting their own ass sort of a uh, boat, if that's kind of where they were at, I don't think addressing this was was probably a good idea. Again, I'm not a PR guy, uh, and you know, they're they're uh, you know an extremely rich football club. I'm one guy on the internet that lives in Boise, Idaho, USA, but uh, I felt like my initial response was responding to this adds fuel to the media fire, which they're probably actually thinking. At the time, I was thinking, why would they want people to be digging into whether they're they're doing this illegally or not? 
But then I thought, well, if they're doing it illegally, they're probably hiding it really well. Like they're expecting to not get caught. Like if they are doing it, I don't think we'll hear about them getting caught doing it. Uh, they're they're smart enough like that to cover their own tracks. So the more I, when I kind of distanced myself from that uh, a day or two, then I kind of thought, you know what? They they probably were trying to get the media fired because I felt like it was just such a th- silly thing to say. We're not talking to him, uh, you know, despite the rumors. And I'm thinking, why why put yourself under that sort of scrutiny and, and why address it? Now you're just going to get people bugging you. But at the time, you know, like I said, at the time I'm thinking, well, that's that's a bad thing. They don't want people bugging them. Now I'm thinking, no, they're not going to have people bugging them. They're going to have people bugging us. They're going to have people talking about us and thinking about us. And they're going to have people talking about Mbappe to Madrid on the internet. And they're just, it's just stirring the pot a little bit. So um, I, I think that's that's what they're going for. Whether they're talking to Killian or not, whether they did illegally, I don't think we'll ever know. It it might might not matter. But um, I thought it was, yeah. When like I said, when I first heard of it, I thought, man, what are they doing? Don't address it. Like you're you're just inviting, you're just inviting people to. I feel like. If a rumor like that is so dumb that that you know you're thinking, well, this isn't true from Real Madrid's side, they're thinking, well, this isn't true. Like we're, we're they shouldn't even be listening to idiotic rumors. So the fact that they would address an idiotic rumor, I feel like it's just inviting them to be. They're just inviting pressure, and uh, you know uh, the media is going to want responses about other stupid rumors. Uh, but that's what I thought at first. I don't think that's quite the way that they're looking at it, though. So, but what, what were your thoughts on it? I went a little long on mine, but that that's okay. I, I just um, all these big clubs in Europe they have rumors every single day, and if they decided they wanted to respond to them with an official statement, I don't. I just don't know if they could hire enough people to respond to the number of rumors that are made up across the footballing media landscape to respond to all these rumors. Like, I mean, it's just yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. That was like exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. Go on. That's okay. So I think the fact that they came out with this statement, something is going on behind the scenes and it's either positive for Real Madrid or it's negative. And you can sort of make the case for, for both, both of them. Maybe things are going positive and he's already signed and they just are trying to keep things quiet until they can announce it. Like you could certainly talk yourself into that. Maybe Real Madrid fans have. You could also make the case that maybe things aren't going so good. Um, maybe Mbappe is not returning phone calls. Maybe there's the issue with his rights. Maybe they can't come to an agreement there. And so maybe they're coming out with a statement saying we're not negotiating with him. So when he does sign a new contract with PSG, they can say, We've moved on from him. He turned us down a couple of years ago. We're, we never really considered him. You know, kind of save face a little bit. You can certainly make that case. Um, on Over on Substack, PhD Talk Extra Time, I, I said that what I think is going on is that maybe – I don't think they're negotiating. Maybe there's – between Mbappe's camp and Real Madrid, maybe there's contact here and there. But I don't think there's hardcore like negotiating. I don't think they're into image rights. It's a very complex contract. I don't think they're getting into that. But I think that Real Madrid are probably getting some hints from Mbappe's camp that maybe he is still considering signing that new contract with PSG. And I mentioned the the rights uh, image rights issue. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's that Mbappe is looking around and saying, 
I got Javi Simmons coming next season. Maybe Lenny Yoro is going to be coming as well to help out on defense. I got Kang and Leo. I'm getting along with really well. We have a really uh, great chemistry. Hakimi's over there. I'm good friends with him. I've got my, you know, attacking buddies from the France national team. He might be looking around thinking, maybe I, I think I might stay here. And so maybe Real Madrid are picking up on some of those vibes of, of what, of, of seeing Mbappe having, you know, joy in the team. I know today is probably not that joyous, but leading up to it, it certainly was. And so, I think maybe Real Madrid are, are getting some of those feelers out there and maybe they're not hearing what they want. And so I think they're starting to lay the groundwork so that if and when Mbappe does choose to uh, stay at PSG, that they can sort of save face. I think that's what's going on. But I'm a PSG fan. So, but I don't think I'm being that unreasonable, do you? No, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. I think that's a totally fair uh, point. I, I do think that, I mean, we get Real Madrid's, uh, Madrid fans Every if if you just see any sort of post from any of these uh, big pages, you now when whenever you tweet something uh, about Mbappe, oftentimes you'll have Real Madrid fans in your in your replies. Uh, someone like uh, Clement at PSG Hub, whenever you know same sort of thing, he's a big news guy for PSG. You get so many Real Madrid fans in his replies as well, and they're all so confident. They're thinking, "Ah, oh, yeah, he's 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 going to come this time," and uh, I just think. I mean, what's so different from when he rejected them in 2017 or, or 2022? It's, I think there's almost a better case that he would stay now. If you look at Real Madrid, he doesn't want to play as a true striker. What are they going to do, do, kick Vinicius Jr. off the left wing? No, like that would be, that'd be idiotic for them. They have to play Vinicius. The guy's phenomenal. So they can't play Mbappe as a true striker. I mean, uh, it's not that Ancelotti's dumb or, well, he might be out the door soon for Brazil, but... Whoever their next coach is, maybe it's, uh, oh my gosh, who is it? Javi Alonso at, at freaking Leverkusen. Whoever it is, they're going to figure out a way to use him. He's not going to be a true nine, but, you know, um, there are ways to use him. But maybe he's thinking that, man, the, the role that he's got secured at PSG, maybe he thinks he would enjoy that more uh, as, as far as play style. And then, yeah, like for everything you just said, uh, he's got he's got plenty of – he's got Hakimi here. He's getting along with players more. I mean, uh, it may not be for the best uh, of the club, but if they're going out and and signing his French national team buddies, I mean, that's at least going to want to make it, it, our our play and the team might yeah, suffer slightly. Why, why would, just to that point quickly? Why would he be out here trying to recruit players to come to PSG if he's leaving in less than a year? It doesn't seem. I, I could uh, <laughs> that part. I don't know if I have such an issue with that. I don't think it's unreasonable to think that even if he leaves, that he wouldn't want PSG in, in a better place or, you know, cause he's thinking, I mean, whether he loves PSG or not, like truly loves the club, uh, I don't know, but we do know that he loves Paris. And by some extension of that, he has to have at least some level of love for PSG because of course the club represents the city. Uh, no one's out here. Uh, this is not a diss to Paris FC because I like them, but it's not like Paris FC is putting on the global stage each day. I mean, they're they're fighting to avoid relegation in Ligue 2. So um, he knows that PSG is is the face of the city. It's the biggest. It's the biggest sports team in the whole country, essentially outside of the national team. It's it's the biggest club team, and and as much as uh, you know, uh, trolls on Twitter. Uh, who founded their accounts two months ago might say PSG has no fans. 
PSG has been had the the biggest fan base in France since at least the eighties. So, and now of course we've got this international appeal as well uh, in the last you know ten fifteen years. So I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he's trying to leave the club at a, a better place than he found it. But um, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is that point doesn't uh, bug me too much. But you're right. I feel like there's so many reasons as to hey, he could stay. I mean, yeah, image rights, it's pretty clear that we're going to give him his full image rights in his next contract. Uh, I feel like a lot of people, especially those that don't know sport business too well, um, I'm not an expert by any means, but uh, image rights are a huge thing to these world-class players. If you don't think that Neymar, Messi, Mbappe, Benzema, even guys like N'Golo Conte who have far less followers on social media, if these guys aren't, if you don't think they're not concerned about their image rights, then you need to go, I don't know, learn sport business a little bit because that is, it's not just something about, oh, this is what they're getting paid now. You know, Mbappe is probably making a salary of 72 million at PSG before taxes. But what we think of is, well, Madrid offered him nearly the same but we have to think his image rights are something he's going to have for the remainder of his life. You know, he's he's going to be this this Beckham or this Thierry Henry esque icon after he retires, and with these image rights, he I mean he's setting he's laying the groundwork for him to be a major uh, the face of football even after he's retired for decades, the next you know couple decades. So um, I think it's important to touch on how important image rights are in this whole thing. And I think a lot of people gloss over that too often. And it's not just a money thing. He's hypersensitive of how his image is used. He doesn't want to be in fast food or soda commercials or betting, especially we've seen him tweet about that. So, you know, if, if, if Real Madrid have some larger portion of his image rights, can they say, Hey, you got to be in this, you know, whatever commercial and maybe he doesn't want to. So it's certainly very important. I think it's a great point that you brought up. I, I kind of tweeted that you know I would love for PSG to give him a 10-year contract and uh, a portion, whatever percentage of, of club ownership after he retires. I that that second part I don't think is that crazy to think that maybe they would give him some percentage too, so he would have some ownership of his hometown club. I think that'd be very meaningful to him. I think that'd be a big selling point. Whether QSI would do that or not remains to be seen but i think that that would be a big bargaining chip that they could use um to maybe convince him to stay um but i, I certainly i'm feeling i feel more positive here lately just with the way the team has come together the, the players that we've signed that mbappe probably is thinking very seriously about staying it, it it's going to depend a lot on the champions league we got to get at least to the knockout stage we've got to keep improving for him to uh, want to stay but I think we've we've built something here. And like I said earlier, Javi Simmons is, is coming back. That's going to be a huge boost to this team. We saw him score another goal. Leipzig have already qualified for the knockout stage. He is just, just crushing it everywhere he goes. I'm so excited for him to come back. But uh, any other thoughts on, on this before we get out of here, Ethan? Um, no, I, I guess I, I'll agree with you that I feel uh, two things. Uh, I, I do feel that he's more likely to extend. I feel more confident about him extending than when we went through the saga uh, two years ago. Um, and then secondly, if he decides to go, I I will be a bit bummed if he doesn't extend. 
but I will by no means be crushed if he leaves. And that's not a knock on him. That's, in fact, praise towards the team and praise towards Luis Enrique, Luis Campos, and uh, Nasser. Because I feel like, I mean, we've all seen it. It's it's in the works. We're not going to win the Champions League this year or anything. Just spoiler for for any fans out there. But um, the the groundwork is being laid for you know a future, a very sustainable team, a great team. I mean, uh, we we as far as the net money, and I'm not thinking as far as what we paid in agent fees and et cetera. But if you just look at the money that we took off the wage bill this summer compared to the net spend for transfer fees on players, it wasn't huge. And we got so much younger, so much deeper. There's less talent, of course, losing Neymar and Messi, you're going to lose talent. But I mean, we we can't be building the team around guys in their 30s. I think that's pretty clear. Anyone who knows sports would, would agree with that. So it was time to move. And we have more availability too. I mean, we see True. Neymar's currently. Yeah, Neymar's ACL. Yeah, it's injured, awful. But unfortunately, no, yeah. you're right. It's we're we're going towards a more sustainable, uh, healthy team. And yeah, you know, we might lose out on marketing money. We're not going to sell messy jerseys to to freaking tourists that are going to come to the park and <laughs> not know what the hell the uh, either the ultras, you know, any of the ultras groups are called or anything. But. Um, but that's that's fine. I feel like yeah, we're moving this this sustainable project, and if we just give it a couple of years and keep improving each year, add a guy or two each transfer window, that's going to help the team. Then, you know, in a couple of years, we'll we'll be maybe even just next year, we'll be in a great spot. So, uh, I am not going to be anywhere near bugged if Mbappe leaves. And it ultimately, I know I've gone a little long on this, but. Ultimately, I also think it comes down to if he doesn't want to be here a hundred percent, then he's just not. It's it's probably best that he's not here because we've seen people will say, "Oh, like with Eminem, they didn't win the Champions League. They they can't win anything." But then on the flip side, they'll say this team has no identity and no passion. It's like, well, we might have to give up one of those to make sure we've got the other. And I would rather have a team of guys that will give 100% and and they will truly fight to the final whistle uh, than a, a star-studded team that has no depth. I mean, we've tried the star-studded team with no depth. It didn't work. And if if we have to move away from Mbappe because he isn't 100%, he'd rather go to Madrid, then, you know, let's thank him for what he's done here. He, he won us a lot of titles we probably shouldn't have won. Uh, you know, he's won us some domestic titles that – Probably should have been won by by more cohesive teams, but it carried us to these wins. So, if if he leaves, then it's I think we'll be okay. Though we're in a way better spot than we were a couple of years ago. Yeah, and if you look when he signed, what was that twenty seventeen? Yeah, when his contract expires, it's going to be twenty twenty four. I think a lot of people probably would have said he probably would have left before then. So I, you know, he's certainly put in his time. He's given us his all. Like he said he's won us trophies. Um, I do like that you said that PSG is now a more wholesome and healthy. You make us seem like we went from eating junk food to now we're all vegan diets or something. We, we almost were. We we went from <laughs> we went from being ch- chain smokers who only ate red meat and <laughs> and and potato chips to uh, the cl- the club is getting more towards uh, being on the the sporting version of the Tom Brady diet. I think you well the the first diet that was that sounded like the variety diet. I'm oh, just kidding. Man. I love variety. Don't come for me. That, yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's kind of brutal, but you're kind of right. 
Yeah, no, we love Verratti again. He was at the the stadium supporting his team. At least I hope he was supporting PSG. Um, but yeah. So anyway, Ethan, thank you so much uh, for joining the show. Always appreciate you having on um, and your insight and everything. We got to cover everything that happened against Milan. Got to talk a little bit about Mbappe. Uh, up next for PSG, we we talked about it this Saturday. Uh, it's going to be an early kickoff here. Um, PSG visiting Stade de Reims. Uh, it's going to be tough. Their uh, fourth place, I think it was when I looked. So that'll be a tough match. And then November 24th, after the uh, international break, it's right back to it. Hosted Monaco. They've got a lot of young talent, as always. That will be a battle. And then just a few days later, it's the match against Newcastle. Must win. We'll certainly have a lot more on all of these games. So make sure you keep visiting and following PSG Talk everywhere. We're all over the internet. So make sure you keep following us. And uh, if you haven't, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Would love that. Also would love if you uh, leave us a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Really would appreciate that. All right. Until next time, PSG.